Welcome to the Nutrigenomic Nation podcast with Brian Highfield, certified nutritionist, author, speaker, and founder of multiple successful companies in the health world. Brian is known for educating healthcare professionals and others on improving their health and their life through breakthroughs in nutrition, technology, and biochemistry. On the podcast, Brian interviews thought leaders in the world of nutrition and natural health. He and his guests share the secrets of a whole life natural approach to health and the life-altering results you can get by making easy changes to your diet and daily routine. All right, well, welcome to Nutridomic Nation, where we talk about nutritional-based healthcare technology and emerging trends related to your genetic health. We have an awesome episode prepared for you today. We have a very special guest. We have Dr. Chris Lee. He is the founder and CEO of Elemental Shift Consulting, which is a neuroscience-based consulting company that educates people on brain-based creativity, motivation, productivity, and research-based strategies for a healthier mindset. So welcome to the show, Dr. Chris. I am so, so excited to be here. And it's just, it's an amazing topic that we get to dive into today. And like we were talking about before we started, it's, it's such a necessary conversation. So can't wait to dive in. Awesome. Well, first off, we want to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how did you get to the point to want to educate people on how to have a healthier mindset? I would absolutely love that. Um, so my life is an accident. I, I wasn't meant to be here. I wasn't meant to be doing this uh, whatsoever. Um, my journey really started when I didn't listen to the bigger whispers. Uh, I think that there is some kind of intelligence that is guiding us or leading us, whether you want to call that God, the universe source. To me, it doesn't matter as long as it empowers you. And I wasn't listening to those voices. Um, and when you don't listen to the voices, you get the screams and still didn't listen to the screams. I'm a slow learner sometimes. Um, so what happens after the screams is to me, the universe goes two by four to the back of the head. Hey, Chris, like maybe this is like the path that you should be going. Um, still a slow learner. So I got up from my concussion and I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to say. So the step after the two by four to the back of the head is called the black SUV. So as a year into my doctorate program, I had just finished up a neurophysiology midterm, which I'm sure was written in another language. And I was going to do what every 23-year-old was going to do. Went to the nearest Walmart, rode my bike there, got a really special uh, bottle, $3 bottle of wine, top notch. Um, <laughs> went to the clearance aisle, got dark chocolate, and I was going to go home, watch friends lay on the floor and wallow in self-pity. Um, and I was about a mile away from my apartment, and I was bombing down this hill in Atlanta. I was probably going 35. And out of the corner of my eye, before it was too late to make a reaction, I saw this car blow a stop sign. And that was my black SUV moment. Mm. So they hit me into a ditch. Uh, the kinetic force was enough to knock me unconscious and they didn't stop. Uh, they kept going and I woke up in the ditch about two hours later, wow. um, somehow got up and in some mangled, stressed out nervous system way, walked myself the rest of the way home where my brother, who's also a physician, was like, are you okay? Like, what is going on? Went to the hospital, internal lacerations. Um, you know, they thought I had a broken pelvis and a bucket handle fracture and all of these other different things. Doctor said, hey, hopefully in six months, we'll get you up and walk in. Hopefully in nine months, we might be able to get you back into some physical activity. And as somebody that was a collegiate athlete and that was healthy, uh, I was like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, and they were like, yep, this is just what it's going to go. So don't move, go home, take these pain meds and life will be fine. And I was like, okay, 
So brother was taking me home. He was washing me and bathing me, which was uh, just challenging in and of itself. But a week passed and my healthy body was gone, completely gone. Um, and what had started to replace that healthy mindset was really this depression. I was missing all of my classes. Every test that I missed was $500 and this, 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 it kept stacking. I'd watched all the Netflix. I had read all the books and I was just sitting there and the thoughts started to creep in, but it wasn't until week two that I really, really got hit. So on week two, I got a call from a family friend and he was like, Chris, 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 get home, get home, get home, get home. And I was like, I haven't spoken to you in like six months. Like, what do you want? He's like, get home, get home, call your brother, make sure he's home. I'm coming to your apartment right now. And he hung up and I'm like doing whatever the heck I'm doing, like kind of frantic. I'm like, what do you, what, what is going on? Like what hmm. I, what? So I called the school, pull my brother out of a $1,500 test and finally get him on the phone. And I'm like, Hey, this guy called, like, I need you to get home. And end up getting home and I got myself out of bed and I'm like standing, like holding the door frame. And my brother and this gentleman walk upstairs, they open the door and they're both sobbing. And I look at my brother, I'm like, what is going on? And he looks at me from across the room and he just says he's gone. And I knew what had happened at that point. So earlier that day, my dad, who's been struggling with suicide and depression, um, had taken his own life. And I'd seen him three weeks earlier. It, you know, my brother and I's best friend, we would barbecue and laugh and all, all those other things. And um, it, it was something that we just, we never expected. We know that he was going through some challenges, but it kind of like rocked our family to the core. So mm, wow. me and my brother started to pick up the pieces of that. And, you know, the day after I got that information, I went back to the hospital. I'm like, take all the equipment off. I am not gonna, you know, wear a catheter uh, to my dad's funeral. Um, so they took it off. I signed a stack of waivers as thick as a Bible and uh, tried to get on with my life. And, you know, things they teach you in school, like one plus one is two and this color is blue. And how do you process grief? How do you process emotions? Like all those things that like I needed, the only skills and strategies that society had kind of taught me was like coping mechanisms of like, mm -hmm. why don't you drink or why don't you distract and all of these other things. So that was kind of like where I started to go and where I started to like fall myself falling into is at 23, I was like, you know, drinking on the weekends and not to any like crazy amount or anything, but more than I had ever done in my life. And, um, it just wasn't healthy. And three months later, I got a call from my girlfriend at the time and she goes, Hey, like something impossible happened. And I was like, what? She goes, we're pregnant. And I was like, okay, I'm three years away from graduating and making any money. I have no money, like zero. And I said, all right, like, we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. We got this. Um, right. And like trying to have a positive mindset, but still my body's broken. I miss my dad. I cry myself to sleep every night and just didn't know where to go with my life. The day after that, the school called and said, Hey, uh, your estimated student loans are looking about 250 K. Wow. I was like, okay, like what's left? Like what is left inside of this? Like everything has been like stripped down and I'm like looking at rock bottom. And that was when I started to have this realization. Um, and it was, it was a strange realization that I had inside of a Waffle House bathroom at 4 a.m. And essentially That's what it was- a typical place to have that epiphany, right? Waffle House has saved my life so many times. I can't even tell you. 
Um, so I'm sitting in this Waffle House bathroom and I have like this spiritual moment and I am not a spiritual person, but I like hear this voice and it says, all of this just is, you just be. And everything else is a story. Everything else is a projection. The emotion inside of this is for you, not against you. And I just kept hearing that same voice over and over. And I got out of the Waffle House and I was like, you know, sobbing because it was 2 a.m. and I couldn't sleep. And I got out and I'm like sitting there drinking my cold coffee and just like trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this kid and every, like my life. And I got a napkin from the waitress and I wrote down on that napkin that, okay, I'm going to be better tomorrow than I am today. And I never stopped. So where that transported me was into the world of neuroscience and diving deeper into research and neurobiology and neuropsychology, um, biometrics and biofeedback, neurofeedback, all of these different things to where I am now as a single dad living a dream life where me and my daughter get to go paddleboard every afternoon. Um, during non-COVID times, she travels with me around the US and we get to go to speaking gigs and um, share our message together, which is really you make the choice. You always have this rational decision and the supercomputer brain that we have is just that. It's a computer and it's programmable and it's processable. And at the end of the day, my biggest challenge was I have a trust issue. So as much as that spiritual message like resonated to my soul, the meat suit was trying to protect itself. It was trying to protect the status quo. So it built these stories around it. So I said, great, there's science to support all of this. And people can't translate it. So if I can make sense of the science, if I can upregulate frontal cortex, downregulate amygdala, and then learn to process emotional intelligence, then I therefore should feel better. And wow, six months later, I had completely transformed my mind and my body and my health had completely changed as well. And we know that as you increase your heart rate coherence, um, which is one of the most important biometric uh, statistics that we are continuing to unravel, it changes your genetic expression. It'll like, you know, help you heal deeper wounds. It'll change how your G proteins are reacting in the outside of your cells. It does all of these amazing things. Um, so what I do now is help people understand these things and help build the science around spirituality. And I think everybody is always the N equals one equation, right? You are the scientist of your own life. And if I can empower people to realize that with a bit more science, that's where I fall in love with life. Awesome. So I, I'm not even sure where to begin, but I think I, I, maybe we began talking about negativity bias and, and how that has an impact on how our brain thinks and our overall health. So can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your nervous system can launch a man to the moon, but it still has the caveman um, metrics inside of it. So when you like get that little rustle in the bush outside, your nervous system goes, that is something that is uncertain, can kill us, therefore we run, we hide, we try to protect, right? It's that fight, flight, freeze that we talk about so much. Now, when it comes to emotional pain or thought pain or physical pain, all of those things are processed in a very similar location in the brain, right? So if you put your hand on a hot stovetop, right, you only do that one time and then your nervous system goes, ouch, that is a really bad pain and creates a reflex arc in there for you. You don't have to think about that stovetop, hot, no touchy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what happens when we get that emotional pain as children, right? When our nervous system is learning the rules of reality, right? From the ages of zero to seven, we're learning emotional rules for reality. And these things have deeper emotional tracks inside of our body. So when that begins to happen, we say, oh, okay, mommy or daddy didn't love me the way that I wanted to be loved. Therefore, ouchy pain, right? And mm -hmm. to prevent more of that pain, 
we create reflex arcs, right? Because it's processed in the same part of the brain that physical pain is. So our emotional pain begins to mirror physical pain and we are really smart, intelligent beings. So our mental life will begin to protect us from our emotional selves. So we start to create these stories to try to hide and cover up the emotional trauma that we've experienced. Now, what negativity bias says is that if this emotion inside of our body, let's just call it the fear of abandonment, because I think that's something a lot of us can kind of relate to. Fear of abandonment is this elephant, and it starts off as a little baby elephant, right? And then it takes up a little bit of space, and it's kind of there sometimes, it's a little loud once in a while, and sometimes it gets hungry, and sometimes you need to feed it. Well, the more that you ignore that elephant, it's not the smaller it gets, it's the bigger it gets and the more room it takes up and the more and the more and the more and the more you're like, yeah, it doesn't exist and it doesn't exist. You try to push it away and close one eye and do all these other things. Well, it just grows until the room is completely taken up and you're suffocating. And now instead of depression, we go into overactive mode where everything is triggering you, right? And now we're in anxiety. So then we have to go back and really look at and be with that elephant and say, hey, what's going on, right? There's an amazing book called... Um, Oh, what is that book called? I just read it to my daughter this morning. Um, it's about a dragon and the son sees the dragon and tells the mom, oh, mom, look, a dragon. And the mom says, no, this dragon doesn't exist. Dragons don't exist, sweetheart. And the son goes, oh, dragons don't exist. Therefore, dragons don't exist, right? Kids don't have rational thought. That area of their brain isn't turned on yet, right? Um, which is a big part of like when you're parenting your children from a neurobiological standpoint, they don't care what you say. They care how you make them feel, right? And standpoint one for that is kids want to feel safe in order to express. So the more that this kid ignores the dragon, the bigger the dragon gets and the bigger the dragon gets, right? It's kind of similar to the elephant story. So the negativity bias is a simple but really profound protective mechanism. And what that really looks like is fear of abandonment is the fear of not feeling worthy enough to be loved at a lot of different root points, right? Something that, you know, this is like in the depths of the journal underneath the pillow. And for most of us, that emotion needs to be truly experienced, right? A lot of this neurophysiology that we talk about is these chemical signatures get locked into the body. They get stored. And in order to unlock them, we need to fully express and feel into those motions inside of a safe neurological space. So one, learn how to make neurological safety, right? And two, fully express those emotions. And as you learn to process those things, that's where you start to get more high performance from your life, from your brain, from your nervous system. And again, change your health, change your genetic expression. You no longer crave those carbs, right? Because you don't need the instant energy that comes from those things. Maybe you'll start to crave different foods, which happened for me. Um, so that's a little, little splash, a little taste of that little creamer in your coffee for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you've kind of already answered this and, and uh, you know, because we talk a lot about how uh, we're not stuck with the DNA that's passed down to us, that epigenetics play a huge role in our overall health and our, uh, and our mental health as well. And you kind of talk to that about how um, that, that healthy mindset is, is going to actually have an impact on, on our DNA. So we're not stuck in, these, in this situation, right? We have the power to change that. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Yes. 1000 times over and over. There's an amazing book um, called the biology of belief. And this is from an anatomist who taught at an Ivory league school. His name is Dr. Bruce Lipton. Um, but he really talked about, Hey, like the cells are responding to something way faster than chemicals. Um, and it's this electromagnetic signature. Now, like what's causing, like we call them primary generators, what's causing these signals to be sent to a hundred trillion of the cells faster than our chemical signatures and the ligand bonds that are inside of there. And it's like, oh crap, it's our emotional state and the hormones that are triggering those. But like even faster than that, like 
our nervous systems orchestrating our health in so many different ways. So what Dr. Lipton really started to dive into is you have the choice, right? Everything has like a polarity and a duality to it. Like this can be good or this can be bad, right? Or if you see the whole picture, it just is and you make the choice. Awesome. So um, so what is, what is neuroplasticity? What, what's this all about? Neuroplasticity is, I think, one of the greatest gifts that evolution gifted humanity. Um, it's the brain's ability to change itself based on an environmental shift. So like any other animal, if I say right now, hey, Brian, I want to go like get some brisket or I want to go get some food, you and I can both get on our phone and say, all right, hey, DoorDash, like send me over mm -hmm. some like ribs or send me some barbecue or whatever the heck you're craving right now, right? We have the ability to alter our environment and actually make that shift. Now, if I go to a wolf at Yosemite and say, you want some brisket? <laughs> the wolf goes like, wait, what do you mean? Like you can just order food on demand, right? It does not have, no other animal on the face of this earth has the capacity to change their environment, right? So neuroplasticity is the ability to change our environment and our perception of our environment from the inside out. Um, and a great example of this is I think all of us have had one of those challenging traumas. We've all gone through like crap in our life. And in the moment, it's like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely terrible. Like, I, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. I'll never recover. And on the other side of it, time heals a lot of things. Three years down the road, you've let it craft and define and help shape you um, into a stronger, more resilient human being, right? That's a neuroplastic change when something was essentially trying to kill you and eject the soul out of the meat suit. Now it's become a part of who you are and it's strengthened you. So I read something on your website, something called uh, intrinsic motivation. What, what is that and, and how, how can we harness that? This is one of the most important conversations I think any of us can ever have. We all want to be more motivated to go do the things that we want to do. But when it comes down to it, there's a lot of really nice, like inspirational music with speakers on YouTube that are like trying to tell you how to do that. But like, again, I have trust problems. Like, yes, that makes me a little, a little bit motivated, but it, it's an external source, right? Just like coffee is an external source of, you know, quote unquote energy, um, all of these different things. I want sustainability. I want if the world goes blackout to wake up and do the hard things when the easy things are available. And I think that's what motivation really is, is doing the hard thing when the easy thing is available, right? So like me waking up at 4.44 every morning, I get up and there's some days I'm just like, sweet Lord above, I am tired. But the reason that I get up is because I have this equation that um, has really helped me out. I like to put things into equations that makes it nice and black and white. You're an engineer. You might be able to understand this a little bit. <laughs> it is your why minus what equals motivation. When your emotional anchor from your why is strong, resilient, you've experienced your future self in your current body, right? Of like my life when I was like at my lowest and I was eating like beans and sardines so I could feed my uh, daughter's mother um, good foods. I was sitting there and every night I would visualize myself living the life that I get to live right now. I created an emotional anchor and it didn't matter what it took on the other end, the what, I would do it no matter what, because my why was so strong, right? So there would be days where I was doing polyphasic sleep cycles, right? So I was taking five 20 minute naps throughout the day and then two hours sleep at night. And then I would get up at 2.30 in the morning and I would build my website or I would speak with clients in different countries. I was doing whatever it took. And 
Is that sustainable long-term? No, but the motivation on the other end of that is what makes you absolutely resilient. And what it is, is it's free and unlimited source, right? So you don't need anybody else to define this, or you don't need to go on YouTube and get those motivational videos. You find that inside of yourself. So why minus what equals your motivation? I, I like that. And I might steal that. Uh, I'll give you credit for a little while, but then I'm going to claim that as my own. But that's that's pretty cool. I like Send that. Send it to the <laughs> Yeah, but this is the way my system works. I'm like, okay, motivation, like how do I actually get that? And when it breaks down to like neurochemistry, when you create and experience an emotional reality that's not quite uh -huh. in your physical existence, your nervous system can't tell the difference between virtual reality or visualization. We have so many studies that are showing this time and time again. So when you create that emotional anchor, your body perceives optimism as if that's already happening. And there's a ton of studies that are coming out of um, Sean Anker's um, research lab about mm -hmm. optimism and the happiness advantage and all of these different things and how they are the best productivity hacks that you can possibly have. Yeah, I, I love his, um, his, his TED Talks and, and, and the research that he's done. It's, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, so everybody yeah. should go and, and watch that. Um, how, do, how do our emotions really impact our mental bandwidth? This is a huge one. This is one of, I think, you know, and I say this with quotes and in, in a perspective, it's one of the biggest flaws that I think we all have is we go into personal development and we already have a full bucket full of experiences and intellect and things that we haven't processed yet. And then we just start to pour more on top of it, expecting it to stick. And then when it never sticks, it's like, I don't understand why I must be what's wrong with it. Right. When really your system's just full, right? So we get these macro traumas and one of those macro traumas for me, getting hit by a car, losing my dad, um, having, you know, at some points in, in my life and I've been able to go back and heal a lot of this, even like surprise dad at 23, right? Those are like some traumas that would have occurred to me. Now I am able to have that perspective to go back and re-experience those things as like what a blessing it is as it is um, because my daughter is the biggest blessing of my entire life. And like, you know, her name is Phoenix and she lives up to that name every single day. Um, and I'm so, so grateful to have her be a part of my life. But when it comes to those emotions, um, there's tons of research in one of my favorite books called The Body Keeps Score talks about if we don't have a safe environment to process emotion, it doesn't go away because it's such a rich evolutionary tool, right? Emotion holds so many different sensory processing tools, right? So even fear is a really, really great uh, tool for remembering information, right? So we'll take that experience and we'll store it into the body, right? We'll store it in uh, neuromuscular, neurofascial um, tissues, right? In a specific pattern. And then we'll just, I'll get to it when I'm safe, right? But then we're never taught to like, all right, how do I create safety inside of my body? So then our body gets all janky and out of control. And it's like, I don't know why I have this low back pain. Like what the heck is going on inside of there? And really it's a ton of these stored emotions. And there's, there's plenty of research out there um, that talks deeper about this. But when we don't truly experience our emotions and we don't have emotional regulation um, or even nervous system regulation for that, we can, can try it. We can continue to fill up the bucket, but it's already full, right? You have so many tests inside of there, inside of you that are just waiting to like have the lessons learned from them. Maybe time to like learn just a nice concrete foundational strategy that lets you do that on a daily basis. And this is where it gets into like the habits and routines conversation. Great. So, um, I mean, you, you train a lot of corporations, um, you train eight figure earners on wall street, uh, with your brain-based programs. And a lot of our listeners, they either are, you know, have a job. A lot of them are very entrepreneurial. Uh, maybe they're into sales and things like that. But how can these brain-based programs help those people perform better? 
this, this is such a great question. So when I go into corporations, what I do is I, I bring a EEG with me. Um, it's a five lead. It's a, it's a simple one. You can get it offline. Um, but what it really does is we're showing signature brain waves. And when you're in a stressed out state and stress comes from a lot of different areas in our life right now, like you can be stressed out from being chased by a shark in the water, right? Or you could be stressed out from getting that email from your boss. Those still light up the brainstem and that reptilian brain. Now, when that happens and you get stressed or you're feeling like the fear from anything or underperformance or perfectionist mindset, all of these different things are coordinating your nervous system to a single path outcome, right? Survival, survival, survival. That is what is up there. Now, what happens when that actually occurs is we push all the blood, nutrients, and oxygen away from the brain, away from the organs, and we shove it into the blood, we shove it into the movement um, tissues so that we can like get the heck out of there, right? Even when you get that text from your boss and you get that little like shot of adrenaline, your system goes... <gasps> And like, you can't think clearly, there's a single track, right? So what the system really teaches that I like to go into is nervous system regulation. So when that happens, how do we get you back online? Because when you're stressed out, the areas of higher executive function, emotion, creativity, motivation, um, and perspective, that app is not available in the app store, right? That area of your brain is shut down. So what we want to do is one, boot that back up so you can have those types of in interactions and it gives you different paths to choose. That's the biggest thing that I want to tell everybody is like when you fire up that frontal cortex and mix it with a couple different brainwave states, you have more options, you have new perspectives to have. And that's where creativity, high performance, all of these things really come in. I always tell um, my corporations, I'm like, hey, how about five hour uh, work days for everybody, right? And the research is saying like people go to work for eight hours, but they're really at their desk doing work for like three or four. If you know that, like five hour work days and see what happens. Um, two companies have actually taken that to root. One of them just went public last year and the other one had almost a 600 ROI from 2018 to 2019 from working less right? You're giving your nervous system like time to process and integrate. And then like the creative ideas aren't happening when you're like smashing emails at your mm -hmm. desk. It's happening like when you're in the shower or like your brain has time to process or you're out in nature or you're playing with your kids and she stacks blocks up in this weird way. And you're like, or you're oh sitting my in the bathroom gosh. Waffle House, right? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> these magical moments, right? They're all accidents and they all get aligned in these weird, mysterious ways. Uh, that's great. I feel like we could talk all day about this topic. I have so many more questions, but we're running out of time. Where can our audience go to learn more about you, your programs, and just how to connect with you? Absolutely. So you guys can always head over to my Instagram right now. There's plenty of links. I have like six webinars, I think, in there that'll get you um, fired up to like have these types of conversations. And what I'm doing right now is I'm running a lot of seminars instead of Clubhouse. Um, which has been a really great social media platform. If you guys aren't on there, go check it out. I think right now in this moment in January, it's only for Apple users, um, but I'm doing a lot of seminars inside of there. But if you guys head over to Instagram, I'm the only one that runs my page. Um, so if you drop me a message, I'll be sure to get back to you if you guys have any other questions. Awesome. Great stuff. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Chris. And I hope our listeners, I, I know I enjoyed this conversation. I, I, I'm sure they did as well. And I hope all our listeners join us next time when we pick another topic related to your good health. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.